0: Hi and welcome. My name is Kirsi and I'm a volunteer at Mellemfolkelits Samvirke in Aarhus. This podcast is a part of the project Our Food, Our Future. And in this episode, we will talk in more detail about how this project came to be and what it is all about. With me here, I have Sebastian, who is one of the main coordinators for this project and my fellow volunteer at MS. Welcome Sebastian. Hi Kirsi. Uh, could you shortly introduce yourself?
1: Yes, uh, so, as you said, my name is Sebastian and I work for ActionAid Denmark, or in Danish we say Melemfokalicht Samveke as a project coordinator. So, um, I am an employee at Melemfokalicht uh, Samveke in which I coordinate this project that we're going to talk about today. But to say a little bit more about my own background, I'm originally not from Denmark. I'm actually originally from Belgium, uh, Liège in Belgium, uh, and I'm educated as a teacher. So this project that is a lot about uh, engaging young people and getting them into taking responsibility for me, it's also quite in my code because I've been educated as someone to work with pedagogy and teaching it and helping people to educate themselves. And then I've traveled a lot. So I'm, I'm, I must say I'm not your typical NGO worker. I don't have like an university degree. I have like a professional degree in teaching from Belgium. And then I traveled and I worked in farms. Uh, I've been traveling a lot in Europe and South America, hitchhiking and working in an organic farm as a helper, uh, like woofing, if you know uh, about it. So for me, that's also a project that I really, really feel close to because I've been spending so much time in organic farms. And this project
0: is a lot about food. It really does sound perfect for you. Could you give an overview of this project and um, also kind of let us in on how you became a part of it and what is the goal with it?
1: So uh, when we talk about our food, or future, we talk about a European coalition of uh, several NGOs in many European countries. It's led by a German organization that is called uh, CIR, Christlich Initiative Romero. Sorry for my German. <laughs> uh, and together with all these organizations, they are funded by the European Union, a pool of money that is called DEAR, about uh, development of education and awareness raising, and with that pool of money they organize activities to engage young people to transform the food system. And so we come in that project as a third party, which means that we have not been part of the project from the start, we joined later on to amplify the project in the Danish context. So we have uh, less money and less responsibilities than the other partners, which is also good. I think we're going to talk a bit more about the work that we do in for uh, Sandvika mm-hmm. in Aarhus later, but that's also because we, uh, in Aarhus, are a small platform, so it would be difficult for us, it would have been difficult for us at that time to have been a full partner, so to be a third party was very good. And so our job is to be part of this coalition in Denmark and bring this voice and this agency, this ideal, into the Danish context, saying, okay, we want to engage young people to transform the food system Mm -hmm. because in the food that we eat, the food that we find in the supermarkets, you find embedded environmental destruction and infringement of human rights. So to give a a practical example, if you take a banana or a pack of coffee, it might have been that some workers have been exploited or that some people's land was taken away from them in order for big corporations to uh, grow that food. For the Danish context, that's typically the case of uh, soy that is feeding the Danish pigs, and that is the product of land grabbing. So it means that uh, peasants in Paraguay or in other countries, uh, their land is taken away from them, and then later on, soy is grown onto this land that is going to feed Danish pigs, that are then going to be exported uh, to other countries for money. So it's to say that in the food that we eat, there is embedded environmental destruction, Mm -hmm. and infringement of human rights, and we want to raise awareness about this and say, okay, there's major problems in the food system, and we need to fix them. So the goal of this project is to say, okay, we want decent working conditions without compromise for everyone. Uh, Food should contribute to the environment and climate protection. It should not deplete it. We should have strong laws to ensure human rights and environmental protection. And that will happen through systemic changes. So it's not... Of course, individual behaviours change is important. Buying better is important, but you also need to change the structure, which means that you need to change the laws, uh, especially at European level. You need to also change the trade agreements that we made and the way we make them. So it's at a structural level that change needs to happen as well. And so that's the consortium of uh, all Food of Future that is producing studies, engaging young people, organizing activities, doing... Policy work and trying to influence also policymakers to try to raise their awareness as well. All that together with the young people, which are the core center of this campaign. So that's a European project, and it started through all these organizations shaping this project and starting it, and we joined later on. The way we started about it in Denmark that starts in around 2020, the end of 2020. So we have a lot of volunteers. And uh, some of them wanted to work with uh, food and agriculture, especially about criticizing the cap, which is a common agricultural policy from the European Union. So that's a pool of money that Europe uses to subsidize agriculture. Uh, And the main critique uh, that we had is that uh, these subsidies are uh, per hectare, which means that it favorizes a lot of big farms and not so much the small scale farmers. Hmm. We also think that there's a lot of, of way that uh, some of uh some big landowners use to get a lot of money to, for this pool of money without producing food that is uh, both just for the worker and just for the planet. So we had the volunteers that wanted to come and criticize this gap, and so we started to do activity, to do social media posts with them, and they were mostly part of the economic inequality group, and so they wanted to analyze economy uh, around agriculture and food. And we started to work with that from the end of 2020. And at the same time, we also had a group of volunteers from a climate group. We have many groups, we'll talk later about that. Mm. Um, And these volunteers wanted to say, okay, how can we support local alternatives, small-scale local alternatives that start a a transition from AORUS. And they made a project called Green Backyards to try to engage people to learn new skills, to see how you could like plant seed, make a little garden on your balcony, all these small-scale alternatives that change, like individual behaviours, but also try to build a movement and a consciousness around Aarhus to try to bring some change. And making workshop about the future of food in Aarhus and how do we envision it. So we had these two groups working a little bit in parallel, with the same core topic, which is food and the production and distribution and consumption of it, but also different perspectives, like a very economical, political perspective and a very a local and practical uh, perspective. And these two groups are organizing their activities, and at some point we heard about this call in which we could join this project as a third party, and we applied for it, and we got the money, and that's how we say, okay, now we can actually have some money and some support to develop this work and bring these two perspectives together. So our food justice group is really about joining these two perspectives. You have, like, the very... small-scale, local, alternative shaping of saying, okay, how can we transition at the level of your city, at the level of your school, university, develop project at a very local level, but also think about the policy at a meta-level, at an EU level, very international. How do we bring the two together and analyze them together and try to make them work together in the same direction? So that's how it started for us.
0: I think it's very, very comprehensive and am very glad to hear that, you know, there exists these kind of projects within the EU that can offer support.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, that's a sign, though. But I think, like, when we talk about democracy, democracy is something that needs to be produced over and over. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important, and I think that's actually a good sign, even if, like, of course, we need to stay critical about institutions, but it's also a good sign that institutions can fund organizations that are going to produce democracy, to get people together to talk about how they want to shape society, to produce a critic of uh, a systemic critic, but also produce new ideas for developing alternatives. So I think that's very, very important that the EU, but also national government fund this kind of work.
0: If we now turn our attention to Aarhus, could you give the listener an overview? What is MS Aarhus? What do we do here and how do we work?
1: Melem in Denmark, uh, it's a very old organization. Uh, it started in 45 after the Second World War to say, okay, we never want people to do that to each other. And especially about how Danes were treating, uh, poorly the German refugees and how can we rebuild trust, uh, in Europe and internationally among people and starting with work camp and bringing people together. Like a literal translation of Melampolik Sam Wecker would be the people together cooperating. So it's, at the core of it is bringing to people so that they can do something together and make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in that sense, it's a very old organization. Uh, and it has a long history, and I'm going not going through all of it, but to come back to what we do in Aarhus, so in 2017 or 16, something like that, some young people in Aarhus that had traveled with mellon forkly actually in Denmark, uh, came back to Aarhus and said, oh, we want to be active here as well. We want to be able to do change in our local city in Denmark. And so they they went to the board and uh, they uh, protested, or tried to convince them, and they got some funding from Olympics Navigate to start a local branch in Aarhus. And uh, so they started a, a café. They said, oh, we don't want to make an office, we want to make a café a place where people meet, actually, practically, not just a place where people come to work. And in order for this cafe to function, it needed volunteers. So, like, w- how do we attract volunteers? A big part of it is we have this non-profit cafe that supports uh, projects uh, in different countries. Uh And we need volunteers to run it. And a lot of volunteers running the cafe is open from 10 in the morning to 10 in the night, every day but Sunday. So it's a lot of people that are active in maintaining this cafe, Um Maintaining it, maintaining it like literally by painting, fixing the chairs and everything like that, but also running it, choosing the produces and all of that. But we're not only like a cafe, we also a political organization. So we have volunteer groups, political groups that are working on different subjects. We have a climate justice group, we have a feminist group, a queer right group, we have an anti-discrimination group, we have a, an economic equality group, uh, we have a craftivist group that is doing craft... Uh, and producing materials in a sustainable way. And then we have a food justice group now that talk about sustainable food system and just food system. And all these groups are self-organized. They have their own coordinators, organize their own event, and actually Denmark supports them by giving them access to the place, uh, giving them structure that they can use, tools that they can use, and as much support as we can for them to organize themselves and produce a change they want. in total, I would say we have around 100 people that are active in the cafe and around 60 people that are active in the political groups. And some of them are active in both. Eh? <laughs> so it's not 160, but yeah, it's more like 140 people active in Aarhus. Uh, and that's how we, how we work with volunteers and, and use uh, that action. A lot of these people are very young. Uh, a lot of them are under 30. Uh, a lot of them are also international that find a community that way when they come to Denmark. Uh, And that's how we work and we support them like that.
0: But how do you engage them? One thing is also kind of to find volunteers, but another is how to keep them and Mm. how to give them this agency.
1: Yes, in in that way, uh, what we try to do is to say, okay, you have a space here that is your own, that can become your own as long as you work into our framework, which is fighting inequalities. Mm. And that's quite a broad framework. And uh, if you have an idea, try it. And we want to support you in trying that. Then we also offer some specific things that people can do. So when we have a demonstration, then we have red suits and we can uh, invite people to support us. We invite people to, to help us to promote on social media the work. So we we mostly engage by giving people the opportunity to try what they want to do, which is, I think, very powerful. And in that way, for instance, for us, it's quite important to be part of project like Our Food Our Future because a lot of the people here, active here, are very young. And we don't have any, you know, we have in Copenhagen, some colleagues that are very expert in policy, but we don't have, in you know, who's anyone that is uh, like a professional campaigner or policy person. And in, in that sense, uh, we have all these people and they want to do something and they have an understanding, sometimes precise, sometimes vague, that there are a lot of problems in the world. And we want to equip them with the knowledge that they need, uh, the skills that they need to be able to make the change that they would like to see happen. Like to formulate it precisely and to start producing it themselves together. Uh, and in that way, being part of such coalition, having uh, other organizations all across the world that are working on the same topic, that we can poke and say, hey, do you have a report or, or could you share with us? That's something that we want to do more because that will, uh, we think, help us to really both like provide the people that want to be active with more of what they can use, more materials they can use to 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 do their work but also bring like a more international perspective and not the local one only, which is very important, but also like couple it with the international perspective.
0: Yeah, I personally am very happy being a volunteer there. <laughs> and I've been there for years, so uh, I'm not yeah. going to stop anytime soon. I would like to just name how, even though the working groups, we have coordinators, then I really enjoy the fact that it is horizontal in terms of Delegating tasks mm-hmm. and the importance uh, of each member in the group, so I really, I really enjoy that aspect of uh, the working groups. To move on and go back to the food industry, mm-hmm. currently with the food justice group, what do you do locally to change the food industry? You, you named many problems with it before, but what uh, what are you currently working on?
1: Uh, so. Currently, actually, the project is about to finish. So mainly we're working about how do we continue beyond it Uh, to say, okay, not this part of the funding and this part of the project, uh, this because it's a time limited project, this EU project. So it's going to finish uh, and participation in it finishes in May. Uh, I think this podcast is going to be out in May, so we'll be almost finished. Uh, So right now we're finishing with organizing some events, uh, and maybe I'm going to talk a little bit more about them. But uh, mostly we focus on how can we continue this work later on. And one aspect that we've decided to work with is how do we uh, support um, local young starting alternative farmers? by making sure that we can try to support them with um, getting the income they need to live and develop the food system that we want to see. And so we're going to start, in Danish you would say, a food co-op, which is a a consumer cooperative in which people group together to buy from a local farmer, uh, the producer. So we in contact with a farmer that will have a a dropping point in our cafe in which they can uh, have this kind of community cooperative uh, supporting them. And uh, we're organizing a cooperative festival every year and this year which will be specifically centered about the food system. It's on the 12th to the 14th of May this year in 23. Uh, And we're going to also like talk about of course consumer cooperative and how can that function and Grow in Aarhus as a concept that will help more young farmers to start. But also, how can we have other type of activities that we can do in which community is the solution to the problem? So, how can people team up and make workers cooperative addressing other issues in the food system, either in the distribution, in the delivery, and the consumption level, like making like a people's kitchen that bring people together to eat, to reduce waste, uh, things like that. And, uh, we also want to educate people about, uh, okay. We also want to try to shape a vision that is very ambitious for Aarhus, or inspired on other places, um, in which have been working for that for a longer time than us. And we're going to go with a group of volunteers in, uh, in Liège, participating in a transition festival there and trying to bring some of the learning from there to Denmark to see, okay, how can we shape a long-term vision for Aarhus? And how do we want to transform the food system here from the grassroots level and building up from there? And our idea of change in that way is that we want to start the alternative. We want to prove that they work at a a small scale level so that we can go to politicians at the commune, so that we can go to different uh, stakeholders and say, look, we have this, it works, it just needs support to grow we need you to open the door so that we can grow. So we, we're we trying to see how we can start some of these alternatives here in Aarhus so that they can grow. And at the same time, we're also trying to apply for funding to do like a bit more policy and political work so can we keep to, to have this international structural perspective that is coupled to our local work. Mm-hmm. So it's for that we're also trying to find funding to, to be able to keep that aspect of the work going as well.
0: As we talked a bit before, MS is actually ActionAid. Could you tell a bit more about ActionAid, since it's a bigger organization than um, just the one that we have here in Denmark?
1: We are a small platform in Denmark. We are a cafe with a lot of volunteers active and wanting to change the world. But we are also part of a a, a global federation that is called ActionAid, which works in so many different countries. And I never remember the number. I'm really sorry. Uh, But... uh, with the same uh, agenda with a lot of uh, young people grouping together to do political work promote democracy promote like a more uh, sustainable and just world um, trying to organize themselves yeah producing democracy globally and so we are part of this federation and that's also something that we've been doing through this project like right? because for us, like I don't know if you realize, uh, if people realize, but it's actually not so easy because it actually takes time to build relationships with people that are working in other countries. You need to reach out and you need to maintain the relationship. So being part of this federation is very good for us because there is already like a sort of a common point that we can build upon. Uh, we don't have to look and then reach a project and say, hey, we've read about you on the internet. Oh, you look cool. Let's no, we say, oh, you're part of the same organization that we do. How can we work together? And it makes it easier. And we want to use sh- sh- uh, such type of project to see, okay, but actually in actionate. There are several places around the world that also work with food and agriculture and food sovereignty. Uh it can be uh places like in Bangladesh, uh it can be places like uh, in Tanzania, in Zimbabwe, uh they have like some agroecological uh um academy and uh we want to see. Okay, how can we connect young people from Denmark and young people from Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Uganda, Bangladesh, and get them to exchange together, learn from each other. How can we bring that knowledge into Denmark of what is happening on that food system issue in other countries? So that has been part of our activities within this project. Has been like doing interview and producing brochures and materials about. work that that happens in the global South, and that's nice for us because we want to try to sustain this relationship in the long term. How can we make like an international solidarity Mm. concrete by establishing relationships between young people in Denmark and young people in Zimbabwe and Bangladesh? So that's also part of the work we want to do, and that's how first being part of this All Food of Future Coalition that brings us this drive about food on a specific topic, and being part of this Action Aid Federation that is a very large Network of people that do the same as us. It really works well together. Mm-hmm. And just to say, like, MS is an abbreviation for MLM for Glissam that stands in English for Action in Denmark. So we're using this term, uh, but like, s- they are linked together
0: the awareness that is raised through this, and also the all the cooperation that can happen within these mm. structures. I think it's really, really great that we're a part of it, like that MS is a part of it. To talk a little more about the, the Food Justice Group and the Our Food, Our Future group, what does it mean to be a part of this? How do you work together? And also, for example, how many people do you have active in the group at the moment? And how often do you meet? And uh,
1: it can mean many things to be part of, uh, of the group, uh, but uh, basically, so what we do is that every second Tuesday at 6.30 we meet together, we have a group meeting. And this group meeting is uh, a space in which we uh, learn together because we decide our own objective and we want to achieve them together and so we learn how to realize these objectives together. It's a space in which we develop collective intelligence and we learn from each other. And so we meet every second Tuesday like that. And we have an agenda and we go through it. And some people work on uh, organizing food walks in which they will uh, invite people to go to the forest and recognize plants. And while they do that, they will talk about food and the system and transition and things like that. That's one sort of event. They will organize festivals. They will be doing interviews and writing texts. And uh, everyone updates the others on what they are doing and maybe ask, oh, I would need help with this. Do you know how to do it? Uh, and these meetings are a space for collective intelligence to happen. Um, And then we also, at at these meetings, usually there are around 8 to 13 people present. Uh, And then we have a mailing list for the group uh, on which are like around 40 people signed up that we send uh, before the meeting with the agenda and after the meeting with the notes of the meeting so that people can also follow what has happened if if they could not come. Uh, and so what it means to be part of the group, it can me- mean coming to a lot of meetings and giving inputs, sharing your knowledge, your experience. It can only also mean coming to one meeting, thinking, ah, I would really, really like to organize a cool event, uh, organizing that event and then not coming at meetings again and just coming at some events hmm. and then doing stuff every now and then when you think that you have the energy and you want to. That's also very, like, a, v- a very welcome uh, participation. It can be giving IDs. it can be uh, supporting with logistics, uh, some people are making uh, social media posts, uh, uh, making illustrations for work and things like that. So there's a lot of different ways to participate. A lot of them are centered around the meeting because that's a place where we meet and we decide what our objectives. And we also encourage people to start their own initiative, start doing something and then report about it at the meetings when we meet. So that they don't have to wait. If they have a good idea, they would just start with it and then we'll discuss it when the next meeting comes. So that's mostly how it works. To give some practical example of stuff we've done, uh, we've done many different things. We've done inviting uh, uh, keynote speakers. We've invited speakers about the issue with uh, the big industry in Denmark, about the issue uh, with... uh, that's another keynote speaker about or like the soy consumption of the Danish uh, pig industry create issues in the global south uh, mm-hmm. and uh, make that uh, we like the rainforest is also being destroyed because of this kind of issues. We've uh, also organized camp at farms and we've been going to like a farm for one week in which we were working in like this agroecological farm during the day supporting the farmer to actually practice real solidarity by giving free work and also having like training about food system in the evening. That was very intense uh, boot camp, (laughs) about like food justice boot camp. Uh, But that was really interesting to combine this like practical approach of being working on a farm and at the same time thinking about the global issues related to agriculture. Mm. We've been also organizing very innovative events like uh, people saying okay we want to talk about that but how do we actually bring people to think about consuming different alternatives and so they made like a plant-based milk tasting event in which uh, people could like taste a different milk and try to also read and discuss what were the advantages and uh, disadvantages of the different alternatives So there's there's really a place for creativity, for people to come with their own idea to start, as long as it fits with this manifesto of saying, okay, we want a more sustainable and just food system. Uh, It should use agroecology. It should be people that uh, participate democratically in transforming it. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Let's find ideas and let's work on it.
0: Yeah, that that sounds fantastic. I mean, in terms of like everybody can have this collective ownership of the group and also what you're doing and come up with ideas. Uh, so basically, you're saying you have meetings every second Tuesday, 6.30. So <laughs> exactly. where everyone at, is welcome. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and where exactly, just for the listener? So, uh, yeah,
1: it's at the uh, Café Melem Folk uh, in Aarhus uh, So move to Aarhus uh, and join us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we've talked a lot about the overall um, organizations, the project, how it all works. Um, how has it been for you, though, individually? like being a part of all of this?
1: Gosh, uh, exciting, challenging, intense, but also um, interesting. I mean, so as I said, we are a third party. So we have like a small, like important, but also relatively small amount of resources to do this. And uh, we really, really, really want to give uh, the people that are active in the project the ownership. And that's very difficult because with this kind of project, usually you need to have planned in advance what you want to deliver. And the difficulty with that, with having set objectives from the start uh, and still wanting to give ownership is that sometimes you have to find this balance between the ownership and the objective that you have to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And so for, for me, my job, uh, as I've seen it, has been to try to support like people starting initiative and working and to make sure that while we were doing this, we were still also fulfilling the objective that we needed to fulfill. Mm-hmm. But as much as possible, also supporting uh, people to do. And I must say, like, of course, if sometimes it would have been easier to do stuff by myself and then they were ticking the boxes, but the political goal, the goal is to create democracy, to bring people together to make change. So sometimes we went a bit the difficult way in the sense that you have to support people, keep them motivated, but also you have to make sure that uh, you. You have your report and you need to manage that. Uh, So for for me, it has been very interesting, this way of finding strategies so that I can make sure that with the resource that we have, we manage to achieve this objective while still sticking to our principle of uh, uh, volunteer ownership. Yeah, so very interesting.
0: (laughs) To dig a little deeper into the the many problems in the food industry, uh, would you like to highlight one or two of these problems and how can we tackle them?
1: Yes, uh two very important issues that I I see are uh, both like the a lot of different issue and I'll go a little bit more in detail in them afterwards. A lot of uh, different issue about the supply chain like the global supply chain uh and the trade deals and all these aspects of it. And the second issue is about the difficulty for young people to start an alternative and the uh the, price of un- unfair price of food and, uh, and like difficulty for people to make a living by making producing good food uh, and i think two these two are two of the very big difficulties uh, for the supply chain side um, it's one of the demand of this campaign was actually to have a european law for uh, more just supply chains uh, because right now if you take what i say like Someone that has been the victim of, uh, land grabbing, like unjust land grabbing in Paraguay, or uh, some uh, environmental organization that see that because of the food industry, then, um, the rainforest is cut or like uh, land is poisoned, uh, by pesticides, uh, that are produced in the EU, that are forbidden in the EU, but still sold abroad. Like a Belgian company is very famous for that. That's a very big problem. Uh, so these people cannot easily uh, bring their case to justice in Europe and get justice. So, uh, And also, like it's not the responsibility of the company in Europe to check if everything like human rights been, have been respected or environmental regulation and standards have been respected. It's not the, re- the responsibility of companies based in Europe. They can delegate that responsibility to the provider, that delegate to their provider through the supply chain. So a very big important demand has been to make a European law that makes it mandatory for the companies that sell this kind of produce in Europe to check through their supply chain Hmm. to every little step that human rights have been respected and environmental regulation have been respected. So that's something that should be common. Like me as a consumer, I should not have to go to a shop and look at the product and think and read How do I think this product is fine? Did it destroy the planet? Did it kill people? I don't know. How can I choose? It should be a given. And I should not have as a consumer to worry about that. I should be able to trust that there are regulations in place that ensure that everything that I buy lives up to the standard of human rights and environmental uh, protection. So that's one very important aspect of it. Another very important aspect is that people should be able to make a living, a decent living, from producing good food. And it is extremely difficult. Also, due to a a globalised food system in which a local farmer has to compete with like very big uh, corporation that can cut the price and that can uh, bring food that has been produced by exploited workers in the global south at a very, very, very cheap price. And then you cannot expect that a farmer in Denmark... Could compete with uh, that kind of prices. So, how can we make regulation to make sure that a person that wants to start farming in Denmark, that say, okay, I want to produce good food, good vegetables, can make a living of it? In in that sort of sense, of of course, it means that the price that we pay in the supermarket, uh, a bigger part, need to go to the farmer. Uh, but we also need to acknowledge that f- food is part of what makes us healthy what makes us live, And we need to make sure that as a society, uh, in the same way that we've uh, decided that we would pool resources to provide everyone with like a good healthcare or with a good education, how do we say, okay, we want to provide everyone with a good food. And in a way, we're already doing it with the CAP, like this common agricultural policy. Uh, I think it's around a third of the European budget. It's a lot, a lot of money or tax money that is used to subsidize agriculture. And how come that all this money is not earmarked to the fact that the food that is produced should be good, that should respect human rights, and that it should respect environmental regulation, and that this money doesn't make sure that people get a fair income when they want to farm. So how do we shift that system, all this money, or do we make sure that it also ensure that farmers can have a decent living? Because right, right now, uh, a lot of farmers are in debt. In excessive, huge debt. It's very difficult uh, for a farmer to make money. Uh, so in a way, like, being a farmer is probably a very, very difficult job. And so it's, it should not be, say that it is their fault of the individual farmers. Uh, that we have all this problem. Because they're tr- probably trying to do their best. They are probably advised by uh, companies. They have a pressure from the bank because they need to pay their debt. So they need to produce, produce, produce. Um, they have the pressure for the supermarket because they need to sell cheap. So they need to produce and sell at a very cheap price. And they are between these two uh big stakeholders and they are in the middle there. So we need to say, okay, how do we give more power to the farmers to make sure that they can themselves also be supported in making this transition to a better sustainable and just uh, food system.
0: Yeah, and how you said, like uh, like a lot of our tax money like, uh, goes into this agriculture, but what is it then used for? Like it's just to support the bigger uh, companies uh, or like bigger farms, not leaving any option for for the smaller okay. farmers.
1: So uh, I'm not a policy expert myself. Um, I'm more like, as I say, like educators. So I'm very good at designing... Uh, I'm, I'm very good at designing processes for people to work together. I'm less good at explaining these very complex uh policy matters. So what I'm going to say is going to be vague and personal opinion and probably should be nuanced. This being said, as I said, so the cap, it gives money to farmer per hectare. So if you have a lot of hectares and you get more money, if you have less hectares, you have um, less money. Then there's also a lot of other mechanism about it, but essentially it's not so much about oh you produce food the food you produce the quality of it it's just if you have a lot of land you get more money if you have less land you have less money and so also it means that people who are already owning a lot of land then they can also because they receive all this money it's easier for them to buy more land Mm -hmm. because they have the resources there's strong shoulders while a start like while a starting farmer or a small-scale farmer that get less money if the neighbor is an old farmer and dies and sells their land, they can maybe not have the means to buy it and expand. Mm-hmm. So how do we make it fairer for the small uh, small actors as well? Not only that the big one can take it all, uh, you know, that the winner takes it all, but how do we make a more fair and just system? And how do we make sure that some of the criteria to distribute us money are also about the quality? And these are very big global complex issues and it can feel difficult to see, okay, what should I do? Me, I'm sitting in my flat in Denmark. What can I do about this global politics? And of course, you can do a lot um, to different ways. Uh, One first of it should be like uh, trying to educate yourself. And (laughs) it's probably ironic because I'm saying, oh, I don't know all the details, but at least I know there's a problem and I know where I can find... Uh, expert to tell me and explain me about it. Maybe I cannot explain to uh, auditors of this podcast in the same way that an expert could say it, but I can tr- at least try to spread the message and organize discussions in which people meet and talk about this problem. That's what I'm good at.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for example, what do you think could work in terms of changing that system? Do you have like any any ideas what could be done in order to change that global system?
1: i mean uh, if you ask me a uh, wish list uh yeah yeah like uh <laughs> we we are making uh, free trade deals in which uh we organize free trade and i'm not going to go into all the detail of that but how can we change that to more fair trade deals and making sure that when we exchange uh globally then we also include fairness inside of the deal that we make with each other mm. uh, so we like politically there is a lot of things we could change we like Laws are made by humans, they can be changed by humans, there is nothing that prevents us to change them. Only organizing and pushing so that the politician actually understands that it's important enough so that people are wanting to push. So one thing we can do is push politically to do that. And mm-hmm. change the laws. Uh, and we can have a long list. Uh, you can contact any NGO that is specialized in that kind of issue. La Via Campesina uh, are a very, very big expert in those kind of issues. So if you're listening and you want to read more about it, just uh, type La Via Campesina on internet. Internet. Uh, that's the biggest international organization of small-scale farmers. And they can, there you can find a lot of information. Uh, so this, of course, pushing politically together. And then, well, we're all already paying for food all the time. Because we all eat uh, food. Uh, And some of us have more means than others. Some of us can uh, choose to buy from uh, organic. For some of us, it's more difficult to make this choice due to different reasons. But we... It's not only that we can choose by... Um, buying food at the supermarket, because we can also choose to invest in our local community. So like, let's say that a young farmer wants to start a farm and doesn't have the fund, how do we make system that people in the city that want to support can uh, buy a share in that farm, make it like a consumer cooperative or like a members cooperative, so that can, people can help giving funds to invest in the food that they're going to receive afterwards and develop a relationship with a farmer. Same if it can be a shop in your local neighborhood. So you can also create, in the same way that we need to change law to change global supply chain, we need to create systems and local institution way of working together to recreate local uh, supply chain that are functioning, sustainable, just make sure that we all eat good food, produce well, uh, and the farmer is also... Being happy and can uh, kind have of a decent living and go on holiday from time to time, like everyone else.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, and also that gives you, you know, the knowledge of uh, where the food is coming from and how it's treated. And mm. I think that in this way, like supporting your local farmer is like the best way to go. To continue with the next and last question, what can we do as individuals to change the system and fight against these oppressive laws? I know you have already given us some examples of it uh, while answering other questions, but I would like to ask it as a separate question to give you a chance to add some more to it.
1: We as individuals can do many things. We can of course change our behaviors and our pattern of behaviors, making sure that we integrate in our life a lot of sustainable and just thinking and look out and research the alternatives that are close to us and that we can slowly shift towards. So as individual, we can change our behaviors. That's one thing. As an individual, we can also group together and organize politically because it's one thing to read a report and sit in your own house or flat and think, I, this is very annoying, very difficult. I wish I would uh, do, be able to do about something about that. It's another thing to come together around the table, read something and say, okay, what do we collectively think, think about it? And how can we collectively act? can make a petition, you can make a a political action, but you can also collectively say, okay, we want to create an alternative. We see a problem, Uh, who has an idea or do we make an idea together and start a solution? You can start a shop, you can start an NGO, uh, an association to try to advocate for what you think, to develop the initiative that you want to see. So I think as individuals, we of course have what we can do alone, but we also have the possibility to connect together and act together, and I think that's a very powerful possibility.
0: <laughs> wow, it's it's been it's been so awesome to have you here and, and have this conversation about it. Do you have any any last words?
1: We we do this work uh, on a daily basis, and it's sometimes difficult to try to express and. Uh, and compass it all and summarize it. So thanks to uh, your very good uh, skill at making this happen. And thanks for guiding me into this discussion so that we could together try to explain what we do and how we want to do it.
0: Thank you so much for having this uh, conversation and sharing all the knowledge with us.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, every second Tuesday, uh, Café Melon Folk in oh.
0: This podcast was produced with the financial support of the European Union. Its contents are the sole responsibility of ActionAid Denmark and do not necessarily reflect the views of the European Union. We've got a lot going on in Mellemvölkelitsamvieke Aarhus. We are a Danish NGO that works for a more just and sustainable world, collaborating with global partners worldwide as part of the ActionAid Alliance. Here in Aarhus, we have over a 100 volunteers working together to run a not-for-profit café and campaign and educate in areas ranging from feminism and climate justice to anti-discrimination and economic inequality to queer issues and refugee rights. You can come down to Café Melinfolk every day but Sunday for amazing food, drinks and events in a cozy café run by our lovely volunteers. You can also get involved with our events, activities and campaigns and even running the cafe as a volunteer yourself. So check out our Instagram and Facebook to find out more about our cafe and our campaigns by looking up Cafe Mellemfolk or Mellemfolkelitsamviega Aarhus or following the links in the episode notes. Thank you everyone for listening and until next time, goodbye.